welcome to Tater's Life. Today I'm being joined by Grace. Now Grace and I met online, she's an online friend of mine and I find her totally inspiring. So today we're going to chat about her recovery from an eating disorder, her social media presence and her future aspirations. Now without further ado, let's welcome Grace to the podcast. So hello Grace, how are you? Hey, I'm good, thank you. Amazing. Yeah, I'm really, really good. I'm so excited to have you on my podcast. Like, I've been following you on social media for a little while now, and I was like, you're literally the perfect guest. (laughs) I can't wait. I'm so excited. Yeah, very excited. You've been on a podcast before, haven't you? So you know how it all rolls. Yes. Yeah, Um, I was on a few weeks ago. Amazing. Well, I'll put that link into the description box for this one. So if anybody else is interested in listening to that one as well. So Grace, tell me a little bit about yourself. I want the audience to know a little bit about you before we get into the deep of it. Okay, so I'm 18. Mm -hmm. I'm a previous uni student. Obviously, I've dropped out now because of the things going on. Um, I was a, well, I'm an ex-national gymnast. I competed in national finals about two years ago and I came 10th in Great Britain for vault. Uh, I represented both the East Midlands and Yorkshire. Uh, Now I'm posting on social media, I've got YouTube and Instagram, just basically documenting my journey and recovery from a mental health illness because I've been diagnosed with both OCD and anorexia, so hoping to help others in the same situation. Oh, Grace, that's so, so like lovely that you're like able to have the confidence as well to say, you know what, I don't want to suffer alone, I want to help other people. Like that takes a lot of guts. Um, <laughs> tell me a little bit about about your um, gymnastic sort of background. So have you been doing it for a long, long time and are you still doing it? Yeah, so I actually started gymnastics when I was two. So <laughs> very young age to get into it. I was sort of when I was at nursery all the teachers used to say to my mum and dad like oh she, you need to get her into gymnastics I'd be climbing up the walls I'd be just like climbing everywhere <laughs> and my dad you know in conservatories where you get the railing on the yeah, roof yeah. my dad used to hang me from there and I'd hold on oh my god when you were like <laughs> yay high but honestly when I was literally like a baby <laughs> That's so, impressive. I'm not going to lie to you, Grace. I don't even know how to do a push-up. I've been trying, but it just, it's not happening for me. <laughs> you know what? You have to start somewhere, so you'll get it. We'll we'll get there. My goal you will. You will. is to be able to do one push-up. So by the 1st of September, games... You will get it. You will. <laughs> <laughs> I just need that little push. <laughs> <laughs> two two years of age is um that's quite uh something and yeah. don't mind me asking and it it's just because I'm just interested so yeah. a lot of like ballet dancers and like gymnasts and things like that they're forced to have like this really really strict sort of routine to maintain their physique and everything like that do you think that led into your well fed into your anorexia in a way yeah I really do because as well there was quite an emphasis on what we ate from such a young age so I do think it was quite it got into my head like from a young age that you have to watch what you eat obviously you don't but that's what they told that's what was told into my head and I think such a discipline routine we were sort of told that gymnastics had to be our priority if we wanted to make it at such a young age my dream was like I want to be an athlete I want to be an Olympian and so I sort of put it 
first and yeah I do think it put put me into that discipline routine at at an age where I should have been having fun really like (laughs) that's actually quite upsetting to hear do you remember the first time you felt like self-conscious yeah at 10 literally such a age yeah I can remember at primary school um I'd sort of I'd compare myself to the girls around me I mean yesterday I were looking back so on my on my dad's computer we've got all the videos from when I was younger and from on, on my iPad and I actually found a video of me on my 12th birthday which makes me so sad of me body checking oh on a video gosh, that's at so the age of 12 I know that's so awful and you're 18 now mm-hmm. yeah that doesn't even feel like long ago you're like oh yeah it's like six years ago do you know what I mean but that's a long time <laughs> to be going through that sort of like mental I don't know, challenge? Yeah, literally a battle with your mind. for, And obviously I was diagnosed with OCD at eight. So it's like the past 10 years have just been <laughs> quite a journey with my mental health. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, but I'm really like glad that you're being able to like express yourself through social media and helping others that way. Would you mind telling me a little bit about your OCD journey? I know this is primarily going to be about um, your anorexia and things like that, but I would just be interested to know. Yeah, so first it started when I was eight because my granddad, he had polio and he passed away. And so I had this like just sort of worries around illness and germs and it sort of triggered from that and it was just on from there, sort of, I was washing my hands constantly, just having a lot of irrational fears that my brain was taking over, and I'd sort of tell my mum, and mum would be like, oh, that's not, that's not like a general worry that other people who might not have OCD might have, so it'd be sort of, if I do this, then this will happen, or if this touch this and that touch that, then something will happen, and it was sort of, at such a young age, my mum was like, mm, I'll get this checked out, and I was actually in cams from the age of eight till 12 I think so quite a long time like obviously I was getting better got discharged went back and it was sort of this cycle of it was no it was always like I'd get a bit better get a point to a point where they thought I was okay but then I'd end up back and it was like four years of that same cycle oh my gosh that must have been really really difficult and for the age of eight as well to be in cams like I was in cams when I was 16 and it's it's not a nice place to be it's not and it's cold it's dark and yet you don't want to be doing that when you're eight like that's really really awful but have you managed to get your OCD under control now yeah yeah it's sort of it gets it's it goes through cycles where the same as when I was younger it gets better sometimes of the year it gets worse sometimes of the year and it's sort of like I feel like now I'm trying to show up for myself and I'm trying to actually get to the root of what's caused it. Because I do think quite a lot of stuff, say, with the anorexia and maybe with the OCD, there's been quite a few things gone on from when I was younger. So I think it has been sort of like a coping mechanism with my brain. And also I was born premature. So some part of what we was trying to figure out is whether my brain was starved of oxygen when I was younger, when I was born. So we do wonder whether that was sort of a big trigger for the mental health issues whether it's sort of stopped like anything developing or something do you know it's really funny you say that because I was three months early so I was really premature yeah, yeah. and it 
I do think it could have something to do with that. And I, do, I have eye problems as well. So how uh, early were you? Uh, I was a month. So not as early as three months, but yeah. Well, I have right. a twin, so I think that could have something to do with it. But a month is still a long time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it, yeah. Premature babies come together. <laughs> Woo, we're taking the world. <laughs> And with the whole uni search, I don't, I don't know if you like feel comfortable chatting about it, but I know you're going to go back to go into university at some stage. So, what happened? Like you went to university, and then what? So, I, so I, I did start with actually like the serious cognitions around any around anorexia and stuff last year, actually uh, August twenty. Two, yeah, twenty twenty two, and then I was going to um uni in September, and it sort of I was at home. I didn't think it was too bad, and I sort of got it under control. I spoke to my mum, and I was like, "Look, getting these thoughts, but we was okay. It wasn't. I wasn't. It was just the thought, so I wasn't actually acting on it." Yeah, and so I went away to uni, and again, that sort of comparing came back, like, but very strong this time <laughs> very very strong and I was sort of comparing myself to every other girl on Freshers Week so it was sort of Freshers Week that triggered it and on Freshers Week actually somebody made a comment about my arms saying that they were quite big and in my head I was like oh no I've like that has opened up a portal to anything that oh. so that happened and it was sort of after Freshers Week it just went downhill and I just started say restricting again and over exercising quite a lot and it was sort of I'd gone from a point where I was okay in freshers week to a few maybe two weeks later and I wasn't going out I was isolating myself away from everybody and my whole routine was just like I felt like a puppet it was just it yeah it completely took over in the space of say like when it got to end of October time it was like I'd gone away (laughs) I was I was gone and yeah I wasn't there at all and yeah I mean we obviously we'll probably speak about it later but I reached out for help and didn't get the help so that probably didn't help but yeah so you'd reached out during that like was it two weeks to like a month period and you didn't get any help who did you reach out to so I reached out in November, so it was sort of like a month after okay. it was I noticed it got really bad and I was sort of isolating myself away from everybody at this point and yeah, just sort of everything was out of my control. And I reached out for help in November. It went to my doctors. I just basically explained like, look, I my life is literally being taken out of my control. I don't know what to do. And at this point I'd actually lost my period as well. So obviously that was quite a big thing I was like right this isn't normal and my mum was saying you need to get some like we need to get you the help because this isn't right and they sort of checked my BMI the usual which I absolutely hate and yeah. hope that the petition is going to change something and they just sort of said well you're rated as healthy so it's not a big concern at the minute and I was like oh. <laughs> yeah it oh. was this is annoying and I'm going to go on a rant because I know you'll agree with exactly what I'm saying. 
BMI needs to go out of the window because if your if your eating is disordered, so if you're not eating like in a healthy way or restricted or anything, you have an eating disorder. Like weight doesn't come into it. Like it's a mental disorder, not a weight disorder. Exactly. Like you know when you're um slightly larger and then you lose weight, you're praised on it. You might not have done that in a healthy way, and then. Exactly. If you're thin already and then you've lost even more weight, it's like, oh my, what's happened? I'm just like, it's exactly the same exactly. thing. Like, thing is, it's like they might say, oh, you're not as serious. Because I, I actually, a few months into when I was struggling, I, my doctor actually, because I had an ECG and my heart rate was too low. So they sent me in to actually be kept into the hospital for a stay to get me back healthy. This was before I was even admitted. And I actually went into the hospital, they like they were te- doing all the tests before I was able to be kept in on a ward. And the doctor said, well, the patients that we keep in are thinner than you, so we can't keep you in. They said and that to you? Said that to, they said, we don't actually have a ward because you're not specifically rated as underweight. We can't keep you in. I was like... This is, that's absolutely disgusting like exactly and like if say if it's like nobody's it's just such a like inaccurate measure because somebody who's bigger and loses the weight they might have literally like you said like they're going to have this they might have the same severity of an eating disorder as somebody who's thinner but the person who's all who's thinner is always going to be thinner yeah but they'd get the help rather than the person who was larger it's like it's so that's so awful. Were you admitted in the end? Like, what happened? So I went, it was, I think it might have been like two three, two weeks after. And I'm at, I've got, I found this video of me because I've documented all the way through. I haven't po- I did, obviously didn't post when I was struggling, um, of me struggling, but I videoed myself the whole way through and like talking to myself, like a bit of a di- like video diary when I was struggling. And I found a video of me the day after I got sent away. And it was awful. Like, I can remember how hopeless I felt in that video. But it was, I think it was two weeks after that, I went to work and I worked an eight-hour shift the day that I was admitted to hospital. And the whole shift, I was just so, like, out of it. Like, I can remember walking, because I work at Starbucks, so it's quite a busy job. (laughs) Like, it's not just a sitting (laughs) sitting down. and, And... I went into work and I was I felt like I was falling through the floor the whole shift like I felt like you know them rides where they drop down yeah yeah yeah. felt like I was on one of those the whole day so at that point I was like right this isn't normal and my hands actually like went purple here and yellow on the ends of my fingers so like a lot of physical signs and I had my apple watch on at this point and I mean as well I've got a video of me that day and my eyes just I literally look like a doll like just to I don't not with it not with it at all and my heart that was why we went in because I went home from that shift and I just like collapsed on the sofa and I couldn't get up and I was just like I am like I don't know what to do I can't move from this position and my heart rate was like beeping on my apple watch which was saying it's too low and at that point my mum was like right we're going in and we're getting the help and so we went into A&E because the doctors did actually, obviously, I think I put on before that I was sent into a 
early intervention clinic like a few months before I think that I think that was around February time and by the point by the time that the doctor finally sent me into a early intervention clinic the early intervention clinic said well you're too far gone for us so we can't oh, do anything yeah and so we went back to the doctors and we said we need I need the help and then they had finally admitted me to Derbyshire eating disorder service but then the doctor was like well you might not get get in because of your BMI which again was I was just like well what do I do then because they were basically just telling me you're in like you're in this middle ground where you just can't get the help it was crazy so awful and it's you know it's totally out of your control like the doctors like you know you need the help you're asking for the help but they're denying you the help and you know it takes a lot for somebody to raise their hands up and go listen like I I need help right now like it takes a lot and it actually breaks my heart that that was the start of like the journey it's just really really awful and you know I know the NHS are like struggling and stuff but don't turn people away who desperately need help that's like if I'd have gotten to a point where I was underweight I would not be here because even though obviously the weight that I'd rapidly lost from the eating disorder was quite a bit I still had to lose quite a bit more for me to be rated underweight because of the muscle mass that I'd built up from gymnastics and if I'd have got to a point where I was underweight I wouldn't I wouldn't have like I wouldn't be here like it's scary to think that people get to that point and obviously that day when we went to A&E so we went in and they took my heart rate on the pulse thing on you know when you go into reception and they got the pulse monitor out I was we basically explained everything it was like oh we'll take your heart rate obviously before on occasions they've just made I mean the first time we went I think we were waiting well it was we went at night because I didn't feel well at night and my mum was like we'll just take you in and get you checked and stuff because my mum at this point was like this is serious like we need the help and we was waiting from 10 o'clock at night till four in the morning and we still obviously didn't get the help from that and this was the third time that I'd been into hospital I mean I was kept on a ward the time before because of my heart and my bloods were a bit out and but then again they said because of your BMI we can send you home I was like what <laughs> like what and then this time so they took my heart rate and it was obviously what it shouldn't be and they was like oh we'll take it again because they thought that like the monitor had gone a bit dodgy because it was like Sweden. yeah too low so then they took it again they was like this isn't right like we need to get you some help and they took me into you know in an A&E ward where they where they bring ambulances in yeah and they bring those like holding places they put me into one of them and it was that busy that I was just sat like in a bed in a corridor with no like all doctors because it was so busy but all the doctors were like rushing about and I was just laid in this corridor like checking my heart and stuff every now and again and they sort of checked it and I was waiting to see a doctor and then they checked it again but it got lower and then I was still waiting because it was this busy and then they checked it again and it had got even lower so it was just like getting lower every time and so at this point the doctor was like oh, we need to get you onto a constant like monitor and so we, we, kept, we were kept in there and then I was kept on obviously like a cardiac ward for four days in the end Jeez. yeah and 
it was at a point where I couldn't even like I didn't leave this room for four days like even now even now and I look back at obviously like photos that I'd like videoed on Snapchat or something sending to my friends and I just saved it for like seeing back and stuff like the progress and the journey and even now when I look back back at that room like how did I like I was just in that room because obviously it was a cardiac ward so it went like a a ward it was a room on your own and they were only visiting hours only for two hours like between I think it was two and four so it was just other than that just on my own in this room for four days it was the worst time (laughs) I'm so glad that you've like been able to get out of that but you know it could have been avoided it really really could have been avoided if you had the help when you asked for it so can I just get like a timeline so you went to uni, had Freshers Week, um, your eating habits got drastically out of control. So that was... Yeah. That was start end of September, start of October. And then it was sort of for a month, I was like, mm, this might just... Because I was quite in denial until my health started to get a bit worse and my mum started telling me like, look, this isn't, this isn't normal. Like, and trying to just like validate what was going on and trying to explain to me how serious it was really and that was sort of no so then it was October I was in denial and struggling but we didn't really do anything as well because I was away from home my mum didn't know as much of how bad it was but it was sort of November time opened up to my mum and how bad it was and that was when we went for the help of the doctors but then November too February was waiting between to get even an interest because it was just getting blood tests like on and off and ECGs on and off between November and February and then it was February we started to actually go to the hospital and get like the help and get actually like checked in A&E because it was getting like worse and worse now feeling more fatigued and more drained really from the eating disorder and it was February I went to the early got into the early intervention one but was turned away from there and I think it was March that I went to that I got a letter a referral sent off to Derbyshire eating disorder service and that obviously didn't go through or there was a backlog just a waiting list really just stuck in the waiting list obviously with the NHS waiting lists (laughs) quite big yeah and then it was April that I went into hospital and was kept in and then on the war on the coronary care I actually asked for the psychic which now that I think back to it I am quite proud of that point where I was said where I said to the nurse they actually said medically because they'd stabilized me and because I'd been on rest for four days my heart was stabilizing again and my um, my bloods were getting back to normal with like fluids and stuff like that <clears throat> and so at that point it was like well medically you can go home and I was like well I don't want to go home and be stuck in the same waiting list and the same situation as I've been in and so I did say to him is there a psychiatric team that I could speak to and that's when they brought in like Derbyshire Eating Disorder Service and finally got the help but it shouldn't shouldn't have got to that but didn't have taken that long but it's really really good that you have gotten the help and I really want to like 
get into the sort of social media presence that you have because I came across your page and I was like this woman here she's gonna she's gonna be big like I, I do I, I see that for you and like I you know I can't tell the future but I do see that for you and I would just be like interested you give me like Anna Archer vibes and like I know you love Anna Archer but like I didn't realize you loved her until I was like looking through your page I was like because <laughs> I've been following her for a really long time as well so tell me tell me everything yeah I mean I've always wanted to do social media I've always I mean I did start a page like a few years ago but then I never did anything with it but I've like since I was younger I mean I was that kid that used to do the YouTube videos on her iPad <laughs> and just never post them anywhere and so with when I was in hospital I sort of thought you know what I don't want to anybody else to be in a situation where they feel alone and going through what I went through with the whole waiting and not knowing where to turn to and just feeling alone with that. So I was like, I'm just going to post, just going to post a TikTok and see how it goes. And at that point I was like, because I did actually have a fitness Instagram a few years ago and the the Instagram that I have now did used to be the fitness Instagram. And okay. so at the beginning of the year, I, I can remember I'd posted a few videos of me doing workouts, but I didn't know at that point, I obviously wasn't posting the eating disorder behaviours or anything like that, just sort of some exercise I was doing, because I was actually training for a half marathon that I was meant to do in April, so I was like, this is me on my run, this is me on my training plan, so I was like, now obviously I'm so glad that I realised that and I deleted it as soon as I realised, because I'm not, I'm not promoting that at all, and um, so yeah, from that point I was like, I'm changing the whole name to gracew.recovering and it's going to be a mental health safe space and just not promoting any unhealthy behaviors and yeah from that point I just started posting obviously now I've made a YouTube which I really wanted to do yeah. for a while okay. yeah <laughs> which I'm, I'm I'm actually saving up for a camera so hopefully oh, I can yeah. actually boost it then <laughs> oh, that would be so exciting well if you're looking for a video editor do hit me up because I can edit so that I'll help you out with that thank you so much <laughs> and don't you want to have your own podcast as well I do yes I do idea of that what do you want to ch chat about on that I want to do like say talk you know like inside, inside Anna's mind that kind of vibe where she just talks about her realizations and just sort of in general just talking about I think I want to post about the things that people don't generally post about sort of saying you know like when people are struggling it's sort of I know there's a few people that are vulnerable online sort of Ro Mitchell she's very oh, I follow she's, her as well she's really good yeah she's really good and but there's I feel like there's a lot of content creators which don't post the bad parts yeah. sort of they'll post like say the weekly wins and sort of the positive outcomes of in recovery however the I feel like there's only a few that will post the in-depth like struggles. Yeah, like the reality of what it actually is like 90% of the time. Because I feel, I mean, for me over the past month, <laughs> I've probably had only a few days where it's been an all right day. And I want people to realise like it's not like there's, I feel like Instagram's a highlight reel. And yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. 
no and I, and I don't I want to post like a place where it's it is real like a reality on social media not the general social media outlook of a highlight page I want people to come to the page to my page or podcast and think this is safe this is the this is the real deal <laughs> like yeah, well, no... I think your page is really really real like you post like videos of you walking with your dog and everything like that and it's just almost as if we're like a diary in a weird way do you know what I mean I don't know how, if that's the yeah. right word but like <laughs> you're telling us about your day and stuff like that and you don't see that all the time and you know it it is real like and yeah. your Instagram is a safe place your YouTube is a safe place and I imagine your podcast will be as well so with all of that sort of being said is your ideal job or your future aspiration to be a content creator I'd love that that is like my dream thing to do because obviously I'm I am going to study psychology at university in not the September coming but then but next year's September and I think once I've got that degree as well hopefully by then by next September I'll have grown my page I hope so but also when I do get a psychology degree hopefully at that point I'll be able to post look you can do this if you're feeling this way and I've learned or like say like little tips that I've learned at uni or something just sort of like that'd be so good (laughs) verified methods of how to actually like deal with stuff that would be so amazing I'm really excited for that sort of journey to continue for you because yeah I really do see big things for you I just yeah because you've just (laughs) just got it you just got it girl (laughs) (laughs) and I just like to know did you meet Anna Archer yes I did did you (laughs) and I wrote down um, I got her to write down be your authentic self and I've literally got it tattooed on my arm that's your That's how I came across your page because you posted it there and then she reshared it, didn't she? That's how I came across your page. I thought I was wondering. I was like, I just don't know how I come across Grace's page, but I love it. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Because I, I, it was actually at the end of the event that I was like, I need to get her to write something just so I can keep looking. I was like, oh my God. Because I feel like Be Your Authentic Self is such a like, good thing for recovery because it's just you just being you like you yeah. being and the like the real version of you is your best you're not suppressing anything you're not trying to change anything and just whenever I feel like I want to change myself or anything and not feeling confident I'm just like be your authentic self because that's like the best yeah. version of you would that be the advice you would give yourself any in like a situation where they might find themselves like yeah. struggling yeah definitely I think be your authentic self and just realize like you're enough like the the barbie movie made me realize so many things because it's like we go through so much as a human like so many emotions so many events and like our brains go through so many things and it's just like we deal with so much on a daily basis look like we don't need to slam ourselves anymore we don't need to like we just need to pray ourselves with love and like because we're good enough as we are we don't need to change or to fit in I think you're bang on there I saw the Barbie movie yesterday actually and I was thinking in my head as I was left I was like you know if you're not going to love yourself the most 
mm-hmm. elsewhere like you have your biggest like cheerleader your biggest fan girl like you you have to do that for yourself because nobody else will they they can pretend they will but you have mm-hmm. to be your own and I, I I think your advice is like spot on like that's really really amazing and I'm going to be pestering you about that podcast you know because <laughs> I'm going to be like uh Grace, where is it? <laughs> I really do want to start it. I might, I might save up for a podcast mic. Do you even need a podcast mic? I don't even know. Well, like... Your audio is great for this, so I think you could just do it like however you're doing it now. But thank you so much for being on my podcast, and I hope we catch up again soon. Definitely. Thank you. I'll speak to you soon. Bye, Grace. Thank you. Bye.